Well, what's up, people? I hope everybody has had a fantastic weekend. As a Clemson fan, it was awesome because Clemson won and South Carolina lost. And you said something about Georgia earlier, Zach, but Clemson fans don't care. Um, but but I know you care and you matter to God. Um, so that means, and Georgia does too, sort of. Anyway, want to say hey to our friends in Tennessee. Uh, it was a bad day yesterday, but you're rebuilding, like we keep saying. Um, so hey to our, our friends in Live Spring, Tennessee. And let me say this. Next week, super excited about the series we're going to start next week called Christianese. Christianese. Because um, here's reality. Whether you want to admit it or not, we're living in a post-Christian world. Um, but Christians still speak the language of the of the Christian world, of the dominant Christian world. So how, how can we be effective in reaching people for Christ in a world that's predominantly um, post-Christian? We're going we're gonna to start a series on that next week. I think it's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss it. Got a building fund update at the end. We're getting closer and closer. But today is a day that we're going to ask some questions. And you guys have been texting. And In fact, Ed, can we put, the, put what they need to do? Yeah. Text haters. Now, the reason haters, if your first week, we don't hate people. That's just the series we're in. We're in a series called Haters. So text haters along with your question to 970-00. And we're going to try to get as many questions. And once again, this is questions about the series that we've been in. I'm not going to talk about aliens, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, any of stuff like that that doesn't exist. There, you know where I stand. All right. So, Ed, let's go with question number one. Let's go ahead and queue it up. Let's see what we got. What is you? What do you think is the best way to handle people who insult you online? I have zero experience with this. I have no, <laughs> no. Here's here's the deal. This is this is what I've learned. Um, because years ago I thought that they should all be engaged, like engage them, answer their questions. But there's two types of questions that people have. There's questions of clarification. And then there's questions of condemnation. And questions of clarification is somebody who genuinely has a question, maybe about something that's said or something's going on. Questions of condemnation are just people that want to pick a fight. So I look at the person who, who does the insult or whatever. And if it's Bible Boy 182 and they have no identity, then that person is a coward. And they should be blocked, banned, um, uh, I, I block people and I ban people, but sometimes if it's somebody that I know that has a genuine concern, I might answer that. However, 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 if it's somebody that knows you, they're probably going to text you or talk to you in person because if they take it public and they take it online, they're not trying to get a question answered. They're usually trying to prove a point. And the people that are trying to prove a point in your life are, are dangerous. So when it comes to people that insult you online, that block button, ban button, those, those buttons online, feel free to use those because you can't pay attention to everything that everybody says about you, especially anonymous people online. It's a great question. What's next? Let's go next. If the person you hate is dead, do you still have to extend forgiveness to them? Well, the very fact that you would ask this, whoever asked this question, first of all, phenomenal question, but you answered your own question. You answered the question. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. 
if they're if they're dead, it doesn't do anything about the feelings that you have of maybe bitterness and anger towards them in your own heart. And so if they're passed away, we don't get a forgiveness exception. For, for example, let me just say this. My dad, um, who I love, was very emotionally abusive, especially after my mother died. I still have to make choices sometimes to extend forgiveness to him. When, when they pass away, we, we don't have to stop forgiving because those emotions that we deal with in our hearts and our minds are still very real. So if they're dead, we still have to make the choice to forgive them. The answer is yes. It's a great question. If we ever have a bad question, I'll let you know. All right. Oh, oh dear God. This is not a question. This is a book. <laughs> How do you preach a saving message to someone who wants to die? I served in the military and lost three friends I served with to suicide. I've given a message based off the story of Ruth to inspire those struggling with mental health, but it doesn't feel good enough. A couple questions. First of all, um, thank you for serving in our military. A lot of respect for the men and women that serve in uniform all over the world, so thank you for, for your service to our country. Second of all, if you've had three friends um, commit suicide and you tried to inspire them and you didn't feel good enough, I want you to understand when somebody close to you that you love takes their own life, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Um, a lot of people are really quick to judge people that commit suicide without understanding that the struggle and the mental anguish that a person gets I mean, when a person gets to that point, they have no hope at all. So if, you try, if you've tried to encourage them, you've tried to inspire them, and you feel like it's not good enough, at the end of the day, none of us are responsible for the choice that someone else makes. We can influence them. We cannot control them. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We can be a strong influence, but we can't control. So if this, is, if this is you and you've tried to encourage and tried to inspire, listen, the pain that you're, you're, you experience in losing a friend is very real. But at the end of the day, we can't hold ourselves responsible for the actions of others because if we do, we will fall into that pit of depression. It's a great question. Next question. I think people are haters because they are jealous. What do you think? Totally agree. Totally agree. It, no, no, seriously, seriously. If you're going to be great at something, you've got to have the courage to be hated, right? If you're going to be great at something, so pick the uh, Taylor Swift, who I don't care if you love her. There are people that love her and there are people that hate her that don't know her. The girl can sing, right? And if, if you date her and she breaks up with you, she's going to write a song about you that's the best, you know, so don't date Taylor Swift. That's the answer to this question. But yeah, a lot of people will hate on you if you're good simply because, um, listen, you've got two choices in life. Either be good at something or set fire to a platform of someone who's good at something. Either way will get you attention. But yeah, a lot of people are haters because they're jealous. All right, next question. If you forgive someone in the Christian sense, does that mean you have to keep them in your life? No. No, it doesn't. And anybody, listen, I'll, I'll stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody on this and say, if anybody says otherwise, they're wrong. 
Um, I shared about this uh, a few weeks ago, but I'll share it again. The guy that, that molested me, the first guy and, and the second guy, um, I have forgiven them, but I would not go have coffee with them. And, and some people go, well, you haven't truly forgiven them. Well, you've obviously never been abused. I w- I've totally forgiven them. I don't hate anybody. But I would not go have coffee with that person. So if you've forgiven them, that's great. That doesn't mean, like, like if you've been abused, you can forgive your abuser, but to actually allow your abuser access to you again, that's not forgiveness, that's insanity. So you can forgive somebody, but sometimes it's best if you forgive and disconnect, period. It's a great question. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Got some feedback from the audience. First time here at Second Chance. We, we're rolling now. What's next? What's next? If God loves marriage, why is my marriage failing even when I've done everything I can to fight for it? It's a great question. It's real simple. It takes two people to make something work. Period. It takes two people to make something work. Great question. Let's keep rolling. That was good. Next question. What about people in remote parts of the world that die without knowing about Jesus? Do they go to hell? I don't know. I can tell you my opinion. This will be fun. I don't think so. I don't think so. And for, for I, I know I know there's some people going to come at me sideways, but remember I talked about earlier, we'll just ban you from the page. This would be great. Um, I think somehow, somehow, some way, people get to make a choice. I really do. I know Jesus in John 14, 6 said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through, through me. But to the person who never hears about Jesus, I know people go, well, you know, the Bible says in Psalms and it also says in Romans that God has made himself clear through nature. Yes, God has made himself very clear through nature. I, I've heard the stories about how people have dreams about Jesus presenting himself. I believe that that happens. But if somebody truly never hears the gospel and they step into eternity, I believe, is, I believe God is good. I believe God is all-powerful, and I believe God is more than fair. And so I personally believe that somehow that person still gets a choice. I don't know how because I've never talked to anybody that's been dead and came back to life. Maybe you have. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've talked to some. Maybe, I, I don't know. I just believe that God is a good God, and everybody gets a shot somehow. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. Great question. Next one cause a little controversy. I'm, well, oh, wow, I'm gay. I've begged God to take it away from me, but still feel a love, still feel love and attraction for the same sex. Do I still have to live my life without a partner slash spouse? Wow. Thanks, Ed, for putting that one up there. This is going to get some attention. Um, my opinion on this has changed pretty dramatically over the past five years. And let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what changed my opinion. Um, I actually sat down with a group 
of people that identified themselves as gay, and we had a conversation. So instead of me taking a position about a group of people um, that I'd never spoken with, I spoke to them. And, and it absolutely, some of the stories that I heard from these, from, from these brave men who actually had the courage to come and sit down and talk with me shattered my heart. And just like the person that asked this question, they said um, they've asked God to take it away. Um, they've been to the charismatic churches that tried to cast the demons out. They've been to the holy water place. They've done everything, and they still feel attraction. We live in a world that the Christian church has been um, looked at our gay brothers and our gay sisters, and I say that in all seriousness. Our gay brothers and our gay... They, they can't be gay and be a Christian. Well, you can be fat and be a Christian. It's sin of the flesh, right? The Bible says in Proverbs, if you're given to gluttony, put a knife to your throat. And so I would, I would tell you the answer to this question, honestly, is I'm still working through the last part. But I don't hate gay people, and I believe that we are called to community in somehow, some way. Um, I don't think gay people are evil. The Bible says, and I know people come at me and they say, well, the Bible says the, the, that gay people in Roman, I know it's 1 Corinthians 6, in fact, let me just read this, because this is the passage of Scripture that's used to beat up on people that are gay. This is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, uh, do you, verse chapter, nine, or, uh, chapter 6, verse 9, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, which that's, that's where people go with that gay people don't inherit the kingdom of God. But notice, who else don't inherit the kingdom of God? Wrongdoers, sexually immoral, you're looking at porn, um, adulterers, thieves, thieves don't inherit, you, you ever download something illegally? Just, I'm just asking questions here. Um, uh, the greedy, have you ever been greedy? You ever been greedy? Um, nor drunkards, <laughs> I'm screwed. Um, nor slanderers, have you, have you ever said something about somebody that wasn't true? You ever said something about somebody that wasn't true? Same, ca same category, same boat, same boat here, same boat nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. And so I would say that the biggest thing I'm learning right now is instead of being hypercritical of people that identify themselves as gay, is instead of rep responding to them with condemnation, respond to them with compassion. And instead of seeking to try to change them, seek to try to understand them. Because that's what I believe Jesus would do. All right, next question. 
Is there a difference between being saved and following Jesus? Um, I, mm. Yes. Because I don't think Matthew was saved when he followed Jesus. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 9, was collecting taxes, and Jesus walked up to Matthew and said, follow me. Matthew got up and followed Jesus. We're not told that Matthew gave his life to Jesus. We're not told that Matthew sold his business. We don't know when Matthew gave his life to Jesus, but he started following Jesus. That's why, let me just say this, that's why I'm excited about the way we're doing church. Because did you know there are people right now watching this message either live or delay, and you would never step foot in a church. Never step foot in a church. But you'll watch a message like this on Facebook or on YouTube or listen to it on a podcast. And so becoming a Christian is a big deal. Becoming a Christian is like, yes, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. But you can start following Jesus without actually believing the stuff that Christians believe. Step by step, piece by piece. All right? Great question. Wow. All right. Next, next question. I have anxiety, and I found that marijuana helps a lot. What? I hadn't tried that one yet, but it's more natural than pills I could be prescribed with. Can I use marijuana? Dear God, we are getting some great ones today, right? We, everybody thinks that the opening of Second Chance is going to be really big. Right now, what we're doing is reducing those numbers. <laughs> Can I, can I use marijuana and still be in right standing with God? The devil's lettuce. <laughs> um, so this is actually a two-part answer. Right now in South Carolina, the answer is no, because it's illegal. It's illegal. And I know, so is breaking the speed limit. I know, but but like... Nobody, I understand, I understand. I'm just saying, it's, it's a legal issue. Well, what if you live in a state where it's not illegal? The, the answer is, I think it's on par with caffeine, alcohol. That, that's what I think. And I know people go, oh, it's the gateway drug, and people do this, and the cocaine, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand, I understand, I understand. But recently, I had a conversation with someone who, uh, who was injured very bad about a decade ago, lives in constant pain, and smokes marijuana rather than takes prescription pain, where, opioids, which is a major problem in the world. So... My answer to this question is, it, it goes back to the sincerity of the heart. Like, are, is this an excuse just to smoke weed? Because if it's an excuse to just smoke weed and get high all the time so you don't have to take responsibility for your life, that's an issue. But if it's about dealing with some serious pain, and, and I'm just going to tell you, I, for, for me, for me I, think there's, I think there's healthier ways of dealing with anxiety. That's, that's just what I believe. I think there's healthier ways of dealing with it. I've had anxiety now um, going on 10 years, like serious anxiety, panic attacks, and I've learned some ways, natural ways, to cope with it. So I, I would say this question 
goes back to the issue of the heart. So thank you for having the courage to ask it. What's next, Ed? Give us a light one, please. I'm a recovering addict and I'm also bipolar. Thanks for the easy one, Ed. How can I convince someone to love me when it's hard for me to love myself? Well, here's, here's the big thing. This is what I would tell you. Um, this might be true about you, recovering addict and bipolar. You've got to quit identifying yourself like that. Because as long as you identify yourself as a recovering addict and a bipolar person, you can live as a victim. It might be true about you. It might be true. But at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, I have stress, I have anxiety, I've been diagnosed with PTSD, but at the end of the day, I'm a child of God. That's got to be my number one source of identification. Because as long as we live here, we'll never be able to love ourselves. And, and by the way, the bipolar, the recovering addict and bipolar, especially the bipolar part, it's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And so at the end of the day, how can I convince someone to love me? That's the other thing. You got to try to stop convincing people to love you. Because if that's the case, you're always going to fall short. If somebody loves you, they're going to love you flaws and all. I, I read a quote the other day that I loved, and it said, show me the thing you hate about, show me the thing you hate about yourself the most, so I will know where to start loving you. I was like, dang, it's good. I actually didn't say dang, I said another word, but I'm trying to be nice on Facebook right now, which doesn't matter because I'm probably, anyway, I can't wait to read these comments today. What's next? I have found Christ after not believing for a long time. Does that mean I have been saved? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Apostle Paul didn't believe for a long time either. But in Acts chapter 9, God changed his life. He became a brand new person. So I, I, would, say, I would say yes. All right, let's keep going. Next question. Really crummy things keep happening to me, even though I love and follow the Lord dearly. Does he hate me? No. No, I'd answer that one right out of the gate. Is it Satan? Maybe. I don't know. Um, what did I do wrong? Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When we say yes to following Jesus, it does not protect us from pain and suffering. In fact, Jesus said we would suffer. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus tells his apostles, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Then he says this, in this world, you will have trouble. This is what he said to the people that were closest to him. In this world, you will have trouble. So in this world, we are all going to have crummy things happen to us, okay? Um, this, God does not, this does not mean that God hates you. Uh, and, and it doesn't always mean, mean it's the devil. I think the devil gets way too much credit, personally. Like, I'll meet somebody, and I had a flat tire this morning, it's the devil. No, you drove through a construction site, and it's a nail. It's not the devil. Quit blaming him. God, he's already done enough bad stuff. He's already going to go to hell for eternity, so let's, like, like leave him alone for just a second. I, I want you to understand, if bad things are constantly happening to you, remember that the people in the Scriptures that followed Jesus the closest all died. 
Like they, they, they were all martyred for their faith. So if bad things keep happening to you, it, it doesn't always mean you're doing something wrong. Sometimes it means you're doing something right. You know, I, I read a quote the other day. It's so true. When I was a kid and I played video games, if I was advancing in the video games, I always experienced opposition from the enemy. So if you're always experiencing some opposition, maybe you're advancing way more than you know. Awesome. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Do you think it's a sin for blacks and whites to be together? They say Deuteronomy 7 stands for that. All right, whoever, whoever they are, they're, they're try, trying, to tone, trying to tone it down here. I'm going to look up Deuteronomy 7, see what it says right here, because I don't know. I, I've read the Bible through. I've read Deuteronomy through. Um, driving out other nations. Um, these nations stronger than us. Don't covet silver and gold. Nope, nothing about blacks and whites in there. Deuteronomy 7, don't know what version of the Bible, probably the SIV, the stupid international version, because that's, that, first of all, first of all, are we still talking about this? Are we still talking about this? Because I'm telling you, this is a southeastern question. They're not talking about this in the north, and they're not talking about this out west. They're, they're, the, the, the Civil War is over, <laughs> and the South lost. I'm not worried about offending anybody because people that are still upset about that, none of them have internet access right now. So I'm not worried about offending them. Listen, it's, it's not about skin color. It's about the heart. What's in their heart? I had a guy tell me one time, he said, you're going to change your opinion when your daughter gets old enough to date. And she's 11, so she'll be old enough to date in 20 more years. But when she's old enough to date, I want a man who loves Jesus to pursue her heart. I don't care if he's black, white, purple, green, because there are too many men in the South that would rather their daughter date a piece of white trash than a black guy that loves Jesus and would actually treat her like a princess. And that's wrong. It's racism. It's a problem of the heart. And it's torn our nation apart for far too long. I can't even believe we're still dealing with this issue. It's sad. It's sad. So, it doesn't, and it doesn't say that in Deuteronomy 7, by the way. By the way, how do you know you're white? You don't even know the name of your great, 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 great grandfather. How do you know? Just, just a thought. Next question. Do you have to tithe, serve, etc., to follow Jesus? Yes. Of course you do. I'm just kidding. Is that an essential part of being a Christian, or can I just do what's best for me? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Um, listen, if being a Christian is predicated on receiving Jesus, period. But tithing has to do with giving. And if you follow Jesus, you're going to be a generous person. Um, serving has to do with serving other people. So in some way, shape, form, or fashion, if we're not giving our life away, are we really following Jesus? And so I would say in the strict, you know, dotting the I's cross, do you have to do these things? No. We get to do those things, not because of what we do, but because of who we're becoming. And these things happen over time. Eventually, as we follow Jesus, it becomes less about us and more about loving and serving other people. 
I mean, if we're going to follow a man that washed people's feet, then we got to be willing to do the same. Metaphorically speaking, I'm not washing anybody in this room's feet, especially Zach's. All right, <laughs> next one. We got a few, we got, a, got a little while longer. I'm struggling with addiction. I've been to counseling, rehab, done everything in the book. I can't seem to shake my habits. Can God still love me and forgive me? Absolutely. 100%. I, I get this. Know what this is like. And, and I know what some people are thinking and saying right now. Well, some people just use that as an excuse. Yeah, maybe. Maybe some people do. But there are some really great people in this world that struggle with some sort of addiction and they can't seem to shake it. And I'm going to be honest with you, they have enough condemnation in their mind without us putting condemnation on them as well. Yes, God, not only can God still love you, God does love you, period. And if you need proof, look at the cross. That's what Jesus paid for you. God absolutely loves you. It's not that he can, it's that he does. Thanks for having the courage to text that question in. Next question. How do you focus on following Jesus when you're dealing with depression, anxiety, and PTSD? It's very simple and very complex at the same time. Um, by the way, I've, I've been diagnosed with all three of these things. And so I'm not pontificating on something here that I don't know about. The best way to follow Jesus is instead of focusing on depression, anxiety, and PTSD, focus on Jesus. Because the more we focus on depression, anxiety, and PTSD, the more those things well up in our hearts, but the more we focus on Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm saying all that to say this. That's not easy. That's not easy. But it's the question you ask, and it's, it's the answer. We spend more time focusing on Jesus than focusing on the anxiety, PTSD, and depression in our lives? Great question. Next question. What is the first step you take to find yourself worthy in love, life, and forgiveness? Um, you know, going on all the way back to week one, that message on self-hate really resonated with way more people than I thought it would. Um, I didn't think that many people, I, I didn't think as many people dealt with it. So coming back to answer this question, the, the first step to take to find yourself worthy in love and life and forgiveness, once again, it goes back to the gospel. It goes back to Jesus. It goes back to the cross. It goes back to the statement we made in week one that the price of the, the, the value of something is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay. The value of something is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay. And if Jesus died for you, if Jesus gave his life for you, that makes you worthy out of the gate. It's not what we've done. It's what Christ has done that actually makes us worthy because Jesus didn't die for junk. So it, it, it begins with a focus. It begins with a focus on the gospel. We got a few. We got several more. We're going to try to get as many as we can in the next five or so minutes. Um, What's the next one? Do you believe that someone cannot 
volunteer at church due to their visible sin. Example, a gay person, a single pregnant woman, etc. I can't speak for all churches. These people can volunteer at Second Chance. That, that's all I can say. I can't speak for all churches. I don't, I don't know. Different churches, different policies, whatever. Um, but people, people like to pick certain sins out. But have you ever noticed people get obsessed with picking on sins that they're not committing themselves? I mean, what if, what if, what if in order to volunteer at a church... You had to step into a chamber that revealed every single dark thought you've had for the past month. Tell me who would be qualified. So at the end of the day, I think we spend way too much time judging outward sins when we should be dealing with our own ish. If you don't know what ish is, you can Google that. I don't, in fact, I don't know if you should Google that or not. It <laughs> might mean something and bad. Um, next question. Do you have to forgive someone who is not sorry? Yes. Yes. I'm, I haven't even read the rest of the question yet, but the answer is yes to that question. Their actions have nothing to do with our forgiveness. Because if you're going to wait until they say they're sorry, you're like the parable of the unmerciful servant we talked about in week two. You're putting yourself in prison. You're waiting on something that may or may not ever happen. Oh, by the way, by the way, as Jesus was being crucified, he prayed for, for the give, he prayed for the forgiveness of the people that were crucifying him, and they were not sorry. So the answer, I'll read the rest of the question now, but I, I just wanted to get to that. In the story about the forgiven debts, both of them were sorry and asked for mercy. If someone is not sorry or is continuing to do hurtful things, do you still have to forgive them? Yes, yes, and yes. Now, if they're still doing hurtful things, that goes into the proximity you have, and, and it's, sometimes it's just wise to remove a relationship. But our forgiveness is not predicated on their asking for forgiveness. Great question. Got time for a few more, Ed? A few more. I made a series of decisions a while back that my church considered wrong. Huh. I was asked to step off of my serving teams and eventually became... Disconnected, this is a fake question. This is not real. This is somebody, uh, eventually became disconnected as a whole. How can church people, staff do this and call it tough love? I've got an article coming out this week on tough love, by the way. Would Jesus do the same thing? Wow. This is going to be a YouTube moment. Is this a serious question? Did this really come in? This really came in? Okay. What the church, in most cases, calls tough love is nothing more than abandonment. Mm -hmm. Period. What the church calls tough love is nothing more than abandonment. 
Now, there are clear, there are very clear things that a person should and should not do. There, there are black and white issues in the world. There are things that are right, and there are things that are wrong. But even if somebody's in the wrong, how should we treat them? A lot of people go to Matthew 18. I love Matthew 18. In fact, let me go there right now. This is great. I love, I, just, I was just reading this this morning. Matthew, who wrote the gospel of Matthew. By the way, Matthew, just real quick review for people in the room. What was Matthew doing when he met Jesus? What was his occupation? He was a tax collector. There we go. So this is the, this is the, this is the passage that people go to. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. We have got that one down. We're really good at that. Um, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, what's really interesting, number one, is Matthew was a tax collector. How did Jesus treat Matthew when Matthew was collecting taxes? Follow me. Oh, and by the way, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible says, at that time, disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So this was a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. How did Jesus tell his disciples to treat pagans and tax collectors? Push them away or bring them in? So what the church calls tough love in most cases is nothing more than abandonment. And, and it just, I just want to kind of address the elephant in the room. This isn't, this isn't about me in another church. I've moved on. I'm moving on. I'm trying to do the next right thing for me. But it, it is in my heart that our church, even if we have to sit down and have hard conversations with someone, will walk through the fire through them rather than throw them in the fire and call it tough love. Next question. I don't connect with the Bible or church the same way people around me do. Can I do other things to connect with God and still be okay? Yes. Here's, here's the good news. The church didn't have a Bible for the first 350 years and within, with no social media, no internet, no postal service, reached half of the known world with the gospel. They didn't even have a Bible to three. They couldn't have a Bible study because they didn't have a Bible. So if you have it now, listen, I think the Bible's good. I mean, I, there's some parts of the Bible I still don't understand. I just kind of, I think reading the Bible, at least a verse a day is a good thing. I don't think it's going to hurt you. And um, if you don't connect with church, it's just, I mean, church is a group of people. You just find that there's a group of people out there that you can connect with, whether it's a house church or a mega church or somewhere in between. Um, but can, can, what, can, can you do other things to connect with God and still be okay? Yeah, some people do. Worship music, prayer, prayer walks. Um, there's, yes, the answer to the question is yes. The answer to the question is yes. All right, hold on, let me see. We got time for two more, Ed. We got time for two more, okay? Um, do you think <laughs> <laughs> For Really? 
Did, did that really come in? I think Dabo Sweeney is the head coach of Clemson. I believe he knows more than I know about the team at Clemson. And I will support any decision that Dabo Sweeney makes. That's the most political answer I've ever given in my life. <laughs> I really, I, I, okay, two more, Ed, because that, that one, I'm not going to count that one as, as the next to last one. Because I, two, we won yesterday, by the way. One more, one more question. Okay, one more question, one more question. I accepted Jesus in 2007. Everything seemed to be going great, and then all of a sudden, my life fell apart. My husband cheated on me. I lost my job and custody of my children. Why do things get so hard when we follow Jesus? Uh, that my answer to your question is I don't know, but they do. I mean, listen, we have tough days. We have tough days when we follow Jesus. Every single person... Um, in this room or watching right now online, the unexpected is going to happen. It's going to happen. I, I'll share this. I shared this on Instagram yesterday. Um, but I was with um, some friends yesterday, Buck and Juan. I was at Buck and Juan's house, and Clemson pulled off this incredible victory. Um, you know, and I'm, we're kind of celebrating that. My phone rings, and so I send it. I, I don't recognize the number, so I send it straight to voicemail. Bam, straight to voicemail. Phone ring again. I don't. I, I'm like, I don't know you. Bam, straight to voicemail. And then um, I, I, they, they left a voicemail. I listened to the voicemail. So, hey, you know, Perry Noble, this is so-and-so with the sheriff's department in North Carolina, and we need you to call us back. And Wanda was like, what have you done in North Carolina? And I was like, <laughs> I hadn't even been to North Carolina. I don't, <laughs> I've been here the whole time. So um, literally, literally, I'm thought, my God, what have I done? Like I've been in, I don't think, I can't remember the last time I was in North Carolina. And, um, but I got, I got a phone call. I still have the voice message. Um, they found my older brother dead yesterday, 65 years old, in his, um, in his home, dead, surrounded by beer cans, probably drank himself to death. They, they don't expect foul play at this time. And we weren't close. Um, in fact, the last time we had talked was a few years ago. We had a bit of what you would call a strained relationship, um, but this has kind of thrown me in a tailspin for the past, you know, 12, 24 hours. And it's just one of those things where sometimes it just think, it seems like bad things keep happening. And, and this is, and listen, I used to say this, and I don't believe this anymore. Because um, people would ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And the Christianese answer, starting that series next week, the Christianese answer is where there are truly no good people and there are really no bad things. And I disagree because I know some good people that have had some bad things happen to them. So at the end of the day, this is, this is a sad story. And my honest answer to your question is I don't know. I just know on this side of eternity, there are going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. There's a man named Jesus who, who did not promise to deliver us from bad things on this side of eternity, but to walk, with us through, to walk with us through those things. And I know that no matter how crappy life gets, there's not a day in my life that I have to live without the presence of God providing this thing called peace that sometimes I don't understand how I can have peace in the middle of that situation. 
And then on the other side of eternity, Jesus takes everything that's wrong and makes it right. No more racism, no more discrimination, no more sexual assault, no more sex slave trade, no more suffering. It all comes down to our personal relationship with Jesus, which I would ask, where do you stand in your personal relationship with Jesus? Because at the end of the day, let me tell you, let me tell you, he's not going to, he's not a fairy. He's not going to take all of our pain and suffering away immediately, but he'll walk with us through it, give us the strength to overcome anything life throws our way. And one day we will be with him in a place called heaven where there will be no more tears and no more suffering and no more sorrow. And that's who Jesus is to me. With that in mind, let's pray. Father, Thank you so much that you, God, are not afraid of tough questions. And God, for where I've fallen short today and maybe given some great answers, God, I pray that you would just make up the difference like you've had to do with me so many times. Father, I pray for the people that ask questions today that really are struggling through a tough time. Jesus, that you would remind them that they're valuable because of the price you paid on the cross. And I pray for the person or the people watching today that don't know you, Jesus, that's never asked you into their life, Jesus, that today maybe they would, they would see for the first time that they need you in their life to help them get through what they're going through. Jesus, they want to spend eternity with you one day. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would just open hearts and minds right now with heads bowed and eyes closed maybe today the reason you watched this message is because you need a relationship with Jesus you're going through some stuff and maybe you realize today I can't make it without him if that's you right where you sit right now I want you to just ask him to come into your life right now I'm gonna lead you in this prayer it's not a magic formula it's just a way to give your life to Jesus you say Jesus Christ I know I'm a sinner I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Right now, I receive you into my life. Take over. Take control. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you are watching at mysecondchancechurch.com, if you just indicate by doing the hand raise thing if you punch the hand raise button or if you're on facebook if you'll do the hand raise emoji um, or you can email us at prayer at perrynoble.com that's prayer at perrynoble.com we'd love to celebrate that with you and um, be super excited uh, want to give you a really really quick people ask when the building is going to be open the answer is i don't know we've just about completed construction now we're going to actually put like a sound system in there we're in the we're in the process of ordering chairs that's fun. I'm picking out chairs. I'm picking out the chairs. So if you come in, you don't like the chairs, deal with me. Um, and I'm going to be hidden. Um, but, but so far, I just want to celebrate this. So far, this is what you guys have given so far. 196, 821, 21. So this is almost 250K. Think about this. We don't even have a physical location, and you guys are giving this generously. So thank you for those of you that are giving. For those of you that have not given or you want to start giving, um, you can do it two ways. You can go uh, 
to mysecondchancechurch.com and give online, mysecondchancechurch.com, or you can mail a check to Second Chance Church, 210 South Main Street, Anderson, South Carolina, 29624. Um, and and here's, the, here's the real answer to when are we getting the building. I don't know, but we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. We'll get there eventually. Next week, we're starting the series called Christianese. It's going to be so much fun. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless. The best is yet to come.